Welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover their leadership style and its influences, how they stay sharp, and their tips for leaders to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a better leader by learning from others. The best talent in the world who cares about what they do, who cares about being fulfilled, who cares about being engaged, they will gravitate around leaders that can deliver for them that experience. That's Tony Jamus, who's founded two unicorns, the second being Oyster, where he's CEO. In this episode, Tony shares what he means by sustainable leadership and what caused him to embrace it. Achieving the same or higher performance without taxing yourself and others as much. Setting the bar high, but being willing to be disappointed. When to use your heart rather than your brain. How he enables a fully remote organization with people in 60 plus countries. And the importance of connecting in person at a deeper level with others in the team. Tony, welcome to this episode of Manageable Conversations. Farley, thank you for having me. I'd love to hear your take on your leadership style. Ideally, through the lens of others around you? You know, what do you think they would say if they were answering this question about how you are as a leader right now? My leadership style, Farley, is defined uh, by this concept that I call sustainable leadership. What is it about? It's about taking care of yourself as a leader so you're able to take care of others and take care of your business and be aware of how your actions are impacting the world around you and the environment around you. So this means that I work with a lot of empowerment. I give people a lot of room around me. I set a clear vision for them and I support them when they make mistakes. I thrive to create the maximum amount of psychological safety around me so people can bring their full self to work so that work is not taxing. They don't have to shy away from being themselves and store all these negative emotions in them. And also part of my leadership style is to be ambitious as well. I set the bar high and I can be ready to be disappointed, but it's important for me that we, we set the bar high for the team and give them this nurturing and support environment in which they can fail a little bit, experiment, uh, and then iterate. And I think that the others would say similar things to what I just told you. I think this is pretty pretty open about how I lead and I get frequent feedback from my team because I was able to create a closer relationship with them. A lot of my job resolves in shaping the way they see the leader, the way they see me and experience me. Because many of us, especially if you had previous experiences, maybe not great experiences in the past with leaders, you tend to bring these traumas with you to your next environment and your next work. Uh, so a lot of my work is really around challenging these conceptions these, these, uh, that people come with at work and then help them to see a different type of leader, a leader that is supportive, that is nurturing, that is caring, that is also motivating and, uh, and can set the bar high. Is there some tension or contradiction in terms there, Tony, between setting the bar high, to use your expression, and combining that with what sounds like a really human, warm leadership approach? What would you say to someone else that thinks, come on, Tony, you just got to be tough? It depends how you do it and the intention you do it with. I see myself as more a conduit, a gateway for others and for the business to grow. And when I set the bar high and be ambitious, most of the time, these goals or these objectives come from the people themselves by making sure that they are aware 
increasingly of their capacities, of their upper limits. And then I use this information to guide them towards growing and going beyond these limits. Uh, but at the same time, as I said earlier, I'm ready to be disappointed because I know that success is not a straight linear line. It's actually two steps forward, one step backward. And it is as important to support people when they are making a step backward as much as it is to celebrate when they make two steps forward. This clarity you have about your style, how did you arrive here? What are the learnings, the perhaps mistakes, uh, the role models, you know, and other influences that have contributed to you having this clarity about your style now? The inflection point I had was when I transitioned from my first business to my second business, and I had a coach and he would coach me, give me direct feedback, sometimes real-time feedback. And my first business was a successful business. We grew to 100 million in the first five years, was a technology company. Uh, we took this company public, acquired for $6.5 billion. And it was a hyper-growth, very intense environment. And at the end of that journey, during my sabbatical, we debriefed on how, how this is, uh, went. And he told me uh, a phrase that resonated with me. He told me, Tony, you would have done the same results, if not better, by less taxing yourself and by less taxing people around you. That caught me really thinking, how can I achieve the same level of performance, if not higher level of performance, by remaining non-reactive, by remaining focused on the people, by assessing my inner experience as a leader. And it started this journey for me of inner exploration and expanding how I feel in these business settings. So through tools or methods such as breathing, meditation, concentration, visualization of success, and that has transformed how I lead. It became as much as an external experience as an inner experience, where I became much more in touch with feelings, my body sensations, and it enabled me also to understand when I should use my brain and when I should use my heart. These are two tools that are complementary and in business setting, most often it's a brain activity, right? We talk about goals, numbers, strategies, but we, we forget that at the end of the day, we need people to achieve great things. I believe leadership at its core is bringing great people together and put them in an environment where they can collaborate to create something bigger than the sum of the parts. So as much as it is about a brain activity, strategies, numbers, goals, as it is about feeling what's happening, it's about being attuned to the group dynamics that are happening in the team. And it's about supporting each team member to grow and achieve what they want to achieve. And it's also about, you know, what sustainable leadership is for me is about how do you achieve better results by ensuring that people feel great working with you? It's about caring about how people feel working with you. And if people feel that, if people at their core, authentically, they, they feel and they know that you are here for them, then not only they're going to achieve more, but they're going to have higher level of engagement. And at Oyster, my new company, that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on leading from the mind and leading from the heart as well, knowing when to use each tool effectively. How do we change that paradigm, if you like? It seems as if what you're saying is the exception and your organization perhaps is, is fortunate that you have this dual focus. What about all of the managers in your organization currently or in the future, managers at large everywhere, if they are all a little bit in the grip of this kind of thinking and uh, data mindset, what can be done about it? Well, the world has changed. Since the pandemic, what happened is that people have re-evaluated what's important for them in life. And they realize that work 
can be very taxing on them. And they started to look for opportunities where they feel they feel engaged, they feel fulfilled. And leaders who really understand that and can create the environment where people can feel engaged and fulfilled will deliver results that are much better than the rest. So I think it's just a matter of time that the world will converge this new way of delivering performance because at the end of the day, it's about performance. And if you can perform better by remaining connected to yourself and connected to others, that's, that's where work becomes joyful, uh, more engaging, more, uh, more fulfilling for you and for others. So uh, for me, it starts with my own personal experience because at the end of the day, that's what we can manage, right? I cannot control how you feel, but I can feel what I feel. And through that self-connection and that ability to, to be driven by how I feel combined with pretty powerful mind. I mean, our brains are very powerful machines. Uh, they are like Ferraris, but they don't have great brakes. So we have to learn how to develop the muscle of brakes so that we know when we need to use the mind and when we don't need to use, use the mind. And sometimes we get into trouble. If we use the mind in places where we're not supposed to, think about building relationship, building psychological safety, building great level of collaboration and communication in the team. These things are, are usually, uh, the mind is in the way of that. And the mind is, is for an example, the mind is focused on the goal. And if there's a, a failure somewhere, a deviation from the past, then you have all these reactivity, these fear responses, you know, these fight and flight responses. I mean, our brain, our human brain is an amazing machine, but it's a machine that is unable to adapt so fast to the speed on which our world is changing. I mean, we exist as a species for a million years, but it's only in the last hundred years where we have overflow of information, for instance, where we move into this knowledge work era where we're supposed to overuse our brain, but our brain is still uh, stuck in the past and it's still relying on this flight and fight responses. If we miss a target, it's like there's a lion wants to eat us and we start reacting to that. So we have to be actually caring to our own brain because our brain is not really fit to, to, to operate in this fast-paced, information-loaded environment that we're in. And, and this is where I think the future of work is. The future of work is really about creating high level of engagement and, and fulfillment in the workforce. Companies who can achieve this level of productivity and engagement will outperform everybody else. So I do believe it's going to be a natural selection process. The best talent in the world who cares about what they do, who cares about being fulfilled, who cares about being engaged, they will gravitate around leaders that can deliver for them that experience. You mentioned things have changed since the pandemic, Tony, and, and undoubtedly that is the case. And we, we hear about those changes and, and perhaps some frictions between some leaders of organizations that are demanding a back to the office approach and perhaps struggling with compliance. I'd love your take on that and, and perhaps also be interested in how is Oyster itself configured today and any um, challenges you're wrestling with? Look, uh, if you're in knowledge work and you don't have to go to a factory to operate, there's no reason why people should spend two hours a day commuting to the office. There is no reason why people should uh, stay in the office and uh, be inter interrupted. And there's no reason why uh, people should not be trusted if they don't come to the office. Uh, at Oyster, we, we are a fully distributed company. Uh, we are around 600 people in 80 countries from over 100 nationalities. And we have purposely and intentionally designed a workplace, a virtual workplace, where people can not only deliver their best, uh, but also can be fulfilled and, and engaged. So essentially, there are three components to it. 
Number one is about intentionally building trust in the organization. Uh, it's really harder in a distributed setting, in a remote work setting, to build trust because you're not seeing the person in seat. And since we are coming from an industrial revolution and most of our management techniques comes from that world, we, we managers, we have confused presence in seat with productivity. So when we didn't see the person in seat, we automatically start doubting that person's commitment to the, to the company and to the work. And that starts creating a, a vicious cycle of distrust. So the manager would not trust the employee and the employee productivity goes down and the manager continue to reduce our trust, right? And that's, that, that leads to burnout. So number one is really about being intentional and building trust. In, in my work and everything I say and everything I do, it's about building trust. It's like a bank account. I put money in in order to get interest uh, after. Uh, so what is it about? It's about creating psychological safety, not reacting when things go bad. It's about being transparent. It's about assuming best intent all the time. These are some of the techniques I use to intentionally build trust. It's one of our core values at Oyster. The second thing we, we, uh, we needed to do is to be clear about what success looked like on a company level, on a team level, and an individual level. It cannot be more empowering for people working from anywhere to know that it doesn't matter how much time they put in. What matters is delivering these results that are clear and shared with everybody. Of course, you know, to create psychological safety, you need to make sure that if the goals are not achieved for any reason, then you're there to support them and to help them to iterate and grow again. And the third level is to be clear about how you work together. How do you collaborate? Uh, we call it the Oyster operating system. It's a number of tools and rules that enable people to know when to use a tool for what. So for instance, if we obviously we default a lot to asynchronous way of communication and collaboration, that by the way, is great for mental health because you're not like in meetings all the time, reactive to news, you're consuming the information ahead of time, you're collaborating on the document ahead of time, and then you're engaged in a real-time conversation. So if you think about it, intentionally building trust, being clear about what success looks like, and also being clear and aligned of how you collaborate and communicate, even companies in office, if they use that, they become better companies. So moving into a distributed way of working is a forcing function to make organization become better organization. And that's why I believe remote companies will be the best companies of tomorrow. The best talent in the world, they know they can find jobs no matter where they live. So they're going to gravitate towards companies that make them successful. And these are the companies that have intentionally thought about how they work, how they build trust, and how they measure results. What are, what are the organizational challenges that you're sort of potentially grappling with now or you see coming? So one of the challenges of remote work uh, is that you don't see people in person often, right? I do believe you need to do that from time to time. You need to do that not to get the work done, but to really connect at much deeper level. In person, what happens is that you have this emotional signaling that is much stronger. Uh, you can feel what the other person feel uh, unconsciously or, or consciously, and then you can relate to them in ways that you cannot relate to them in uh, virtually. So it has to be done. Uh, it has to be done from time to time for that purpose, for the purpose of a deep connection. So when you go back to work together virtually, you take with you this uh, this asset, knowing that you can deeply trust that person. That's where the difference is. So that's why at Oyster, we, we meet from time to time. I meet with my team every three to six months uh, where we are 
we have a set of business activities we're doing together, but we also have team building activities uh, to help us bond. And then we go back and we, we operate at higher level of trust and collaboration. If there was one learning that you would recommend for somebody who's aspiring to lead others, what would your call to action be? Is to reflect why you want to be a leader and what does leadership means to you. Leadership, it's about people, right? It's about uh, connecting with people, driving people to do things that they didn't imagine they could do. It's about growing people. It's about bringing people together uh, to deliver something much bigger than some of the part. And everyone has their own style and their style is rooted in who they really are, the true self. So one of the tips is, is to really to discover who you really are and why you want to lead. How does your work as a leader connect with your purpose? What is your learning opportunity in the next few months and years, Tony? Uh, one of the major areas of continuous learning for me is to fine-tune my place in this world and align my actions with my true self and my true purpose. It's been a journey. Building Oyster is, is one step on that journey. It's one use case of that inner exploration. It's a fascinating world that I'm discovering. It's really about keep fine-tuning why I'm here and get more crystal clear image of that. And over time, the more I do it, the more it becomes clear. Before starting Oyster, I had this journey to clarify my purpose. I had a clear view of my purpose. More recently, I, I did a new experience like this and I, it got me a much more crystal clear view. On that and it's it, it turned out to be really about this, this sustainable leadership concept because i believe that i'm here to to share my experience with the world to drive people to see that there is a different way of leading in the service of the world in the service of the planet and build businesses that are net positive to our planet and it's not about only hitting a quarter goal that's not what leadership is about and uh, I feel that what I do at Oyster is, is aligned with why I'm here. And, and my work is to keep fine-tuning that and iterating on that. Fantastic, Tony. I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me today. Thank you for having me, Farley. It was fun to talk to you today. If you enjoyed this Manageable conversation, search for manageable.works and discover how we help managers everywhere boost well-being and performance through a coaching style of leadership.